right. Good afternoon and welcome to Connecting Point. My name is Travis Jones. I'm the Minister of Spiritual Growth and Development at Hillside Church in Woodstock, in Town Lake. Uh, and again, it's my honor to be here with you. It has been a little bit since we've done a Connecting Point. I, I, I was thinking about it and I think it was probably, it's been about a year um, since we've done this. So we wanted to bring it back and we wanted to do a couple of them at the beginning of the year. And so January, I had on my notes to, to actually schedule a Connecting Point and actually record it and uh, put it out there live and and um, so that's what this is. Uh, I had honestly wanted to bring it back in August, but it just it just didn't happen with all the things that were going on. So we're back, and we're we have full intentions of actually running a connecting point a month through March. Um, and so this month uh, we've got a really cool topic, uh, and and I'm excited about it because um, I've heard statements about it a lot, and, and you know we all engage in it. And and so without further ado, let's just jump into it here. Uh, before we get into the actual topic, the topic is worship. Uh, but um, there's some common thoughts on worship that we run into in the church. Uh, you know, some common statements that that I've overheard uh, in my ministry career and and before ministry when I was, uh, you know, out in the secular world and I would go to church and I'd go to lunch with people, I would hear things like this. And so I want to run through at least two of those statements and then talk about what Scripture actually has to say about worship. Uh, and we're going to be using the message translation today when we when we engage in that. So um, if you if you don't like the message, you know, please pull up a different version uh, and, and check that out for yourself. But one of the statements that um, I've heard a lot or I remember hearing a lot is this. Um, you'll be at lunch with somebody or you'll overhear this and, and they'll say, I really didn't like the worship service today. And, and you know, when I hear that, my internal um, dialogue begins to fire up and, and I have to be very careful because I always want to like interrupt and say, Worship wasn't about you, and we weren't worshiping you to begin with, so it it doesn't really matter if you liked worship today, right? Um, and you know when I when I think through that, I, I think that statement comes from a place of preference and worship style rather than the understanding of who is being is being worshipped. Um, you know, so if you've been ever guilty of having that thought or feeling or or speaking that uh, to another person. That's really where that's coming from. It's a stylistic preference to what's going on rather than who is being worshipped uh, in that moment. And the other statement is is not much better. Um, I've, I've heard this from different uh, stylistic approaches to worship where someone would say that that this this style of worship that that I go to or I engage in, this is the stylistic approach to worship that that's the real one. Um, that over there, that isn't that isn't worship. That's that's you know a bunch of loud noise or, or whatnot. Right, so the style of worship isn't really worship, is is the statement that people will say, and um, this statement is as well is based off a, a reference point rather than a preference. I think uh, a lot of people will say, "Oh, I have a preference for this type of worship," but but that statement itself is based off a reference point, and what it tells me is you had a profound experience with Jesus um, through that stylistic approach to worship that you're engaged in, and it's been so profound that you think others can only experience Jesus through that profound experience that you had through that stylistic approach. Therefore, other ways in stylistic approach to worship um, don't have the same value as this particular stylistic approach. And, and both of those statements put you at the center of things, uh, not God, right? And so uh, today we kind of want to dive in a little bit to Scripture and see what Scripture has to say with regard to worship. And our, our Scripture story comes from, uh, it, it's found in, I'm going to bring it up real quick, it's found in John and some of the Gospels, but it's found in John, and the the Scripture itself is, we, we're going to pick it up where Jesus, he's met this woman at the well, and if you know or you're familiar with the story, 
Um, you know, the sends the disciples off to town to get supplies, and he's hanging out at the well, and a woman comes to the well to get water, and they engage in this conversation. And and we're going to skip the part of the conversation where um, the uh, Jesus and the woman are talking about, you know, you know, you've had so many husbands. We're going to skip that part and actually jump right into the the worship components of it. So let's do that right now. And again, message version is what I'm reading out of today, and this is John four twenty one through, and it'll be uh, twenty four when we're done. Uh, so, so follow along. It says, believe me, woman. This is Jesus talking to the woman. He is the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the father, neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. Now there was some conflict as to whether or not you worship God exclusively in Jerusalem at the temple or whether you could worship him on this mountain, this high place. And as a matter of fact, high places were mentioned as places not to worship. So Jews viewed Samaritans in, in a, a less than favorable way as a result of some of that. Um, but Jesus goes on to say, you worship in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. Now he's talking about himself because he is the way of salvation. And he is, of course, Jewish. Then this highlighted portion that I've highlighted in yellow comes up. It says, but the time is coming. It, the time is coming. It has, in fact, come when you, when, excuse me, when what you're called will not matter. And, and basically he's saying it won't matter if you're a Samaritan, if you're a Jew or you're a Gentile or, or a free person, a slave, whatever. It won't matter. And not only won't, won't matter, he says, and where you go to worship will not matter as well. What you're called, where you go to worship won't matter. So if we go back to our two statements that I brought up at the beginning, I really don't like the worship service today and the stylistic approach to worship isn't really worship. Jesus is saying, he's like, what you're called and where you go to worship won't matter. It won't matter if you do it in a stained glass window building or uh, a, a contemporary setting with flashing lights and fog machine or outside at a fire pit or on on the beach with a bunch of other people. Church can happen there, right? And worship can happen there. He says it won't matter, but he's going deeper than this corporate worship comments that, I've, that I started off with. He's actually going deeper. So let's go farther along here. He says, it's who you are and the way that you live that count before God. So now he's going to you and I and our individual worship as, as people, not as a, a not corporate worship, which is what we started with. He says, it's who you are and the way that you live that count before God. Now, that's big news. That's big news because what that means is we've got some personal responsibility when it comes to worship. It's who we are and the way that we live before God, who we are and the way that we live before him. So let's let's keep going. He says, your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people that the Father is looking for. And then I've got this blue highlighted section. It says, those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. I love that. Because what you think that means is, or what we, we read that and what we hear is, oh, I can just be me. This is who I am. But that's not what that says. That's not what the, that, that's not what it says, because God is our author, and we are being who we create who we're, who we're created to be, and we're functioning in that blueprint that He already designed for us. We can when we're being when we're simply being ourselves, we're being who He's created us to be before before Him. We're not warring against that design on a constant basis, just being ourselves before Him, and then also in the in, in worship, knowing that we have a need for Him, that. Apart from him, we can do nothing, but with him, all things are possible. So 
when we read that, those who are simply and honestly themselves before God, or excuse me, before Him in their worship, that's what it means. God is sheer being itself, spirit. And then it says, those who worship Him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves, and adoration. Now I'm going to also give you the New Living, uh, New International Version of this. It's just simply, and you're probably more familiar with this statement. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in the truth. So, God being spirit, and he makes some statements in there about your true self, and referencing that your true self is the spirit self. That's the part of you that, that God breathed into to Adam, and then every person from that moment on has had a had a spirit, that, that spiritual, and it, it was dead. And then when you came to know Jesus, it became alive again. And that's that's your true self. And if you're worshiping him out of your true self, he says there's, there's this responsibility to be you before him as a believer. And those are the people and the ways of, of worship, right? It's, it's there's, a, there's a personal responsibility of lifestyle. It's how we live. It's being him before, it's being ourselves before him. I misspoke there, so I apologize. But worshiping him in spirit, the who the who he has created us to be that is alive in him and truth, because he says, I am the way, the truth. So both in spirit and in him, worshiping him that way. Now that brings some context to this the statements earlier that we're talking more about corporate worship. Because those statements about not liking worship services or that worship really isn't worship, those are coming from a place of of, of an internal they're, they're coming from a, a place of internal dissatisfaction. That's where they're coming from. And when we worship in spirit and we worship in truth, we don't say things like that because we understand the object of our worship, the who of our worship is not ourselves or our preferences or our references. The object of our worship is God Almighty. And we do that by being who he created us to be before him, simply and honestly, and in that, he's pleased. So those are just some, some thoughts on, on worship, both corporate and individual responsibilities when it comes to worship. And I hope it was helpful. Um, if not, you can ignore it. Uh, but I, hope it, I really do hope it was helpful. Um, and I hope that going forward, and a matter of fact, I would challenge you to worship him in spirit and truth. Be who he has created you to be that he was the author of, not you, not who you think you are, but be who he says you are before him, honestly and simply before him and pursue him with all that you have and all that you are. So when you, when you do that, I think that is a true picture of what worship looks like. And then all the singing and the clapping and the hand lifting or the, the hymns that we sing, then those things come from a place of, of, of life, right? So I'll stop there for today. Uh, like I said, hope it's been helpful. If it has, share it. If not, simply skip on over. Uh, but until next time, this has been Connecting Point. Have a blessed week.